0: Good morning, Emmaus. It's so good to be with you. My name is Owen, and I'm the pastor here. And it is such a gift to be able to gather like this, to be able to sing together, pray together, care for one another before the service, during the service, afterward. We come now to a time of studying God's Word to say, God, how do you want to speak into our lives individually as a church? And we're going to continue the process of looking at Colossians chapter 1. So if you have a copy of the Bible in front of you, or if you don't have a copy but you can access it on your phone, feel free to do that right now. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1. If you are here as a guest and you have little kids with you, we are so excited that that you're here and that we're able to be a part of this service together. If you need to utilize the lobby, you can certainly do that, but... Kids crying and squirming aren't, aren't going to be a problem for me. That brings life to us. I know it's hard when it's your own kids doing that, but uh, we're just glad that you're here as a family to be able to worship the Lord with us. One thing I would point out, if you have a copy of the bulletin uh, and you want to turn that bulletin over to the back, there are some sermon notes that might be of interest to you just to kind of guide our time together. And, and I would like to point out something at the top of those sermon notes, I've laid out the five weeks of Colossians chapter 1. I don't think I was clear enough about this up front. We haven't gone through Colossians 1 maybe in an order of verse 1 all the way through the end of the chapter like we might have done otherwise. What I've tried to do is show how Colossians 1 encompasses all of the Christian life. And so we followed this pattern of seeing how Jesus is superior and sufficient. So that was the foundation of week one, that Jesus is above all things and beyond all things. He's worthy of our worship, and he's able to save. And so that's the foundation of it. Because that's the case, because he stands over all things, he stands over every area of our lives. So the good news of Jesus is not just that we turn and worship him, but as we worship him, it transforms our life. So it's up, we look to him. In, he changes us from the inside out. We looked at that. Then the third week is, if that's true, he's Lord over every place, over every person who ever lived, over every person on the globe, and so we go out. The gospel sends us out. The gospel grows and increases and multiplies. So that happens. This week, what I want us to think about is the idea that Jesus is Lord over every area of our life, He's Lord over every place on the planet. He's also Lord over every moment in our life, every day of our life. All of time, he stands as Lord. And so that means that the gospel of Jesus endures. So we're going to talk about this idea. And you may be here this morning, and you are right at the edge of giving up. Maybe giving up on life in general. Maybe giving up on the Christian faith. Maybe just saying, I just can't keep going. Students who have been a part of Falls Creek in Super Summer, elementary kids that are getting ready to go to kids' camp. This is such an important concept about how the gospel of Jesus endures. I want you to see this starting in verse 21. So we're going to begin in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Once. You were alienated and hostile in your minds because of your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Verse 23. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Before we jump into this, would you bow your heads with me? I want us to have a moment of prayer and reflection. Father, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, there are some difficult ideas here. There are things that hit us at our very core, that make us think about our own lives, the lives of those around us. Father, I pray that when we leave, that we would not leave under shame or condemnation or doubt, but God, that we would have hope in Christ. For these kids who are here, for our students, for the young adults, all the way up to the oldest adult here, Father, that we would come away from this text this morning, having hope and confidence that the good news of Jesus endures, that we do not give up, that we continue to trust in you, and that you will carry us into all eternity. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you look in verse 23, and you're going along, and it says, if. So once you were alienated, Now you've been reconciled. All that's good news. We're going to talk about it some more in a minute. Verse 23, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast, not shifting away. You see this idea in certain places of the New Testament, and immediately it brings all these questions to mind. Can you lose your salvation? To what degree do you have to continue? How long do you have to continue? What is this idea that's, that's coming in here? I've included on your notes way more verses about endurance than we could ever cover just on Sunday morning, so if it's of interest to you and you need to look at this further, we want you to always be able to go back to Scripture and say, what does God's Word say about this idea? So there's, there's tons of verses that I've listed there, but I just want you to know that the message of the New Testament, the message of all of Scripture, is that continuance in the faith, continuing on, enduring, persevering, is a mark of the reality of being a part of God's people. Because Jesus' lordship extends over all of time, because it's not temporary, it's meant to endure, continuing in the faith is a mark that that is the reality. To be a Christian, to be made right with God, means we must endure, and you say, so it's up to me? We, we ha- I have to endure? Yes, but as a Christian, you will endure Over and over in Scripture, you see these two realities together. You must endure to the end to be saved. Well, how can I do that? Well, you will endure. I want you to see some verses about this. So you must endure. Matthew 24, 13. The one who endures to the end will be saved. The gospel endures. It continues. It goes over all of time. Luke 21. By your endurance, you will gain your lives Hebrews 10, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Those letters in Revelation 2 and 3 come back and talk about this again and again and again. A Christian will endure because Jesus' lordship is not only over every area of our lives, but it's over all of our lives. It's not a temporary thing. It's meant to continue through all of time. How can I do that? Well, you will endure. Look at this next set of verses. John ten twenty eight. I give my sheep eternal life, Jesus speaking. They will never die. No one can take them out of my hand. We talk about this idea of can I lose my salvation? But you can't lose something that was never yours to gain in the first place. That it's this gift that he protects us, he guards us. Philippians 1, verse 6. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.13, it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. You must endure, and as a Christian, you will endure. That you have this confidence of being able to endure to the end. What God has began, what God starts, he always finishes. And yet he calls us to that faithfulness. He calls us to that perseverance. He calls us to that endurance. Why is this such a big deal? Why, why would this be a big point? Because many of us live around an idea of adrenaline Christianity. We use phrases like you're on fire for God. You get fired up. You're ready. You're just going to give God everything you have. You have that camp experience. And what happens? When the adrenaline wears off, We just kind of fall to the side, we lose interest, we stop going. We live around a casual, cultural type of Christianity that says if you're in power, if it's good for your situation, then yeah, you're probably gonna engage with your faith, but the moment that it's not, you begin to to back away from that idea. We also live in a world that is changing so fast, where there's all this chaos, where all these distractions around us, it's difficult to continue going. It's difficult to continue enduring. And what I want you to see this morning is that Jesus is worthy of every minute of your life. He is worthy of every day of your life. And the good news of Jesus will endure throughout your life and throughout eternity. How is that possible? Two things on your notes. How is it possible that we are able to endure? Number one, because of a firm foundation. Look back in verse 21 again of Colossians chapter 1. Why are we able to endure? Verse 21 says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, in verse 22, he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death. So you were alienated. And notice one word there. He says you. For a while in Colossians chapter 1, he says you at the beginning. Then he changes around, he says us. And then he comes back in verse 21, he says you. The reason he does that is because we've just come out of this passage in verses 15 through 20, where it's this very big cosmic universal idea. And he wants to remind the people in verse 21 that this is real life that God deals with us as individuals. He meets us right where we are. And so we've come off these verses that are very abstract to a certain degree. They're cosmic, universal ideas. And so Paul purposely comes back in verse 21. He says, you, I want you to know this applies to your life. This is very personal. You once were alienated from God. You were separated from God. You were living in darkness. You were without hope in this world. Why? Because you were hostile in your mind? This is why our minds need to be renewed. This is why we need to be filled with spiritual wisdom and knowledge. We are hostile in mind, and we were doing evil deeds. This is the reality of our life apart from God. But, verse 22, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Because of the death of Jesus, we have been made right with God. This is the good news. This is the foundation of for our lives because our endurance is not based upon our ability to keep going. We have a firm foundation because our hope is found in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We see this in Romans chapter 6. If you want to make a side note, I've got these uh, verses up on the screen. Romans chapter 6. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Our hope is found in the death of Jesus. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. The reason we're able to endure, the reason we're able to keep going is because we have died to our old self. We have died to living in sin and now we are in Christ. Colossians chapter one, if you have your Bible open, you look back in verse 13. I don't have these notes on the screen, but if you go back in your phone or your Bible to verse 13, this is the same idea you found there in Colossians one. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. What is true Of your life as a christian is that you have been made right with god you've been rescued from darkness and you have been placed into the kingdom of a son and that is a firm foundation that can never fail because it's not based on you it's based on what christ has done for you but not only do you have a firm foundation but you have a future hope go back to verse 22. so you have this foundation that's based on the death of christ And it says in verse 22, He has reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So not only do you have this foundation, but you have this eternal hope. You have this future hope that what God has started in your life, he will bring to fruition in all of eternity. Don't forget that when we talk about eternity, And when we talk about heaven, we're talking about a holy place that God has prepared. How could I ever stand before him in a holy place? How could I ever endure to the end? Well, I want you to know that the answer to that question is not purgatory. That there is no further purging of our sins that is necessary after death that Christ has not already completed. Because in saying that I needed some further purging, taking away of sin, some further purging of sin would be saying that Jesus was not superior and sufficient. But we've already established that, that he is superior and sufficient, and he has made us holy. He has made us right with God. What remains is that we are finalized in that. We are placed before the Father, holy and blameless. Look at what Jude says in Jude 24 and 25. It says, now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling, How in the world are you going to be able to endure in your faith throughout all of life? Well, he's going to protect you from stumbling. And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. You have in Christ, don't miss this, you have in Christ a future hope that you will stand before the Lord in all of his holiness and all of his glory, and you will be able to stand there, not because you have made yourself holy, but because of what he has done in you through Christ. I love the words that we sang from that psalm earlier. We sang that song on purpose because of this phrase right here. Like a bride waiting for her groom will be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our king We've seen, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. What does it mean to be a part of a church? What we are doing in the church, the reason the church is so important is because we are preparing ourselves to stand before the Lord. Do we make ourselves holy and right? No. But every time we gather together as a church, we remind ourselves where our hope lies. Every time we gather bef- as a church, we remind ourselves to. Press forward in holiness to be a holy people ready to stand before the Lord. When I stand down here and I sing this song with you, that phrase will be a church ready for you. When I stand that and, and sing that song as your pastor, my question that I ask myself is are we as a church ready to stand before the Lord? Everything we do as a church, when we gather to worship, When we go from this place, when we spend time with one another, when we study God's word, everything we do is, are we ready to stand before the Lord? What makes us ready for that? We celebrate the gospel together. We remind ourselves of our foundation in life. We remind ourselves of our future hope, and we encourage one another to keep going. We encourage one another to endure because of the hope that we have in Christ, Why is endurance so important? Why do you need this endurance? On your notes, there's two reasons. What would keep you from continuing on? What would keep you from enduring? Two things. Temptation will come, and trouble will come. The two things that will try to stop your endurance in Christ is temptation and trouble. The first, this idea of temptation. Look at these verses from Mark chapter 4. This is a parable Jesus told, um, a very famous parable that stretches back to the beginning of Mark chapter 4, but we're going to pick up in verse 18. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those, speaking of people, who hear the word of God, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. The fear is that we would say, oh yeah, Jesus is great, Jesus is important, we would have a great camp experience, we'd have a great experience with God, and then temptation would come in to say, you know what, that's okay, but there's something else out there. Or we begin to doubt our foundation in life. Or we begin to doubt that there's a future hope that God is really as good as he says that he is. Or all of the distractions that come into life would come at us and we would begin to back away from our commitment to Christ. We would stop enduring because all of the cares of the world, all of the things that look so good right now that cause us to lose sight of that future hope would come in And would cut us off and would show that we were never truly committed to the Lord to begin with. There's always this fear that temptations will come in and crowd out the work of God. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, starting in verse 13, says that God doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. We can't allow that temptation to come in and draw us away from enduring in our faith. 2 Corinthians 7, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. What I want you to hear in all of this that we're saying with this idea that temptation would come in and try to keep us from enduring, there's a big difference, and hear me out on this, there's a big difference between fighting temptation and setting up camp in sin. There's a big difference between saying, I hate the way that I'm being tempted to go away from the things of the Lord, I hate the way that that's happening in my life, and I'm gonna fight against it with all the power of God at work in my life, Versus saying, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to live for whatever seems good. I'm just going to live for myself. It doesn't matter. God's going to take care of everything. I'll just live however I want. That's a dangerous attitude. That's a heart that doesn't deep down realize what God has done in our life. There's a huge difference between fighting temptation and setting up camp in sin. Students, hear me out on this for a second. Repentance is the fuel of endurance in your life. Repentance is the fuel of endurance. How do we keep going on? How do we continue to endure in the things of Christ? A heart of repentance that says, you know what? I haven't arrived. I I continue to struggle. I have a firm foundation. I have a future hope. And I will continue to endure because I have this deep repentance. Not, Not worldly grief. Not, oh man, screwed up again. Well, can't help it. I'll just keep going. Not worldly grief that says, I'm sorry I got caught but godly grief that produces a repentance that leads to salvation, which is without regret. Repentance fuels endurance. But not only does temptation come, but trouble comes. Suffering comes. People stop enduring in the faith. They stop enduring in Christ because of trouble and suffering and pain. Look back in Colossians chapter 1 for a second. So jump down to verse 24. We're gonna go through this transition down to, down to verse 24. Look in Colossians one twenty-four. Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, for which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. Now there's a phrase in there that should strike you as extremely strange. Um, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. We know throughout the New Testament that Paul, as he went out on these missions, he suffered, he faced trouble, he faced difficulty. That's not surprising. Then he says, I am completing or filling up in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body. That's a strange word to put there. How could Christ's afflictions be lacking? Because I've just made a big deal about how Jesus is superior and Jesus is sufficient and Jesus is overall. And now here comes a verse that says in some way Jesus' afflictions are lacking. They're not lacking in the sense of the ability to bring to redemption. They're not lacking in the sense that he didn't suffer enough. What it means is they're lacking in the sense that they have not been extended or made visible to all people. Jesus' death happened in one particular location at one particular time. And because of his death on the cross, he was able to purchase forgiveness and salvation for all people at all times. But only a very few people saw that suffering on display. Only a very few people experience that up close and personal, so to speak. So what Paul is completing is he's not completing as if Jesus' death wasn't good enough. He's completing it in the sense that who Jesus was in suffering to bring salvation to the people has not been made known to all people. And so when Paul, as a minister of Christ, suffers in taking the gospel to other people, they're able to see the suffering of Jesus put on display. Now let me just be straightforward and say that's not the only interpretation of that verse. That's a very difficult verse to interpret and make sense of. But to the best I can understand it, that's what Paul is saying, is he is taking the sufferings of Jesus, he's extending those to all people. Which means that as God's people, when we go through suffering, when we go through trouble, When we're able to do that, we extend the hope that we have through Christ so that other people are able to see that. You're gonna face difficulty. You're gonna face trouble in life. But as you trust in the Lord, as you show people that I have a firm foundation and I have a future hope, even though I go through this suffering, you're able to extend, you're able to make known the sufferings of Christ to the world around you. Let me show you some verses that might make sense of this. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When you go through suffering, when you go through trouble, and your faith is tested, will it continue to go? That's how you develop this endurance. Suffering doesn't stop the gospel. It extends it. It propels it. Endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing. There again, you have that word complete that's used in Colossians that's brought to maturity. John chapter 16 verse 33, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When we suffer, when we face trouble in our life, and many of you have faced deep suffering and deep trouble, that goes beyond anything that I could ever know about. Illness, betrayal, financial problems, death in your family, close friends, that deep suffering that says, man, can I really trust God? Do I really have a foundation for my life? Do I really have a future hope to look toward? And when you continue to endure through that suffering, what you're able to do is the next thing on your notes. What's the result of endurance? Well, the result of endurance is that you are able to display the gospel to the world around you. The reason that endurance is so important is that when we face temptation, and when we face suffering, and we're able to say, I have a firm foundation, and I have a future hope, and I will keep going, what you're doing is you are putting the good news of Jesus on display for other people. Philippians 4.13, Everybody's favorite verse to see show up on TV at some point. Philippians 4:13: "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." When we've talked about endurance this morning, I want to be really careful about something. When I've talked about endurance this morning, I'm not primarily talking about gritting your teeth, looking defeated all the time, and just trying to keep going. Because endurance is the work of God's Spirit. The only way we're able to endure is because of the power of God's Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, you know what that is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So when we talk about endurance as a Christian, we're talking about in the midst of temptation, in the midst of trouble, when you're ready to give up, when you're ready to stop, you demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of those things become a part of our lives. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me means you make it through the day. (laughs) Sometimes, surviving through the experience and surviving through the situation, surviving through the day, that's the work of God in your life at that moment. And there is something to be said for that. Sometimes, you have to survive in order to thrive. The goal is not survival. The goal is thriving. But sometimes you just have to survive. You just have to keep going. You have to make it one more day. You have to put another foot in front of the other in order to get past that situation to the point that you're really able to thrive. So don't think of endurance as a defeatist attitude. Don't think of it as personal grit. Think of it as I am going to continue in the midst of this situation, to trust the Lord. I'm going to commit to Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things, I can face all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm always concerned in my own heart, I'm always concerned in my own heart when I say something like, if I can just make it through X, then why? Because what that communicates is, really it's just the circumstance in front of me that's the problem, but when I get past this, oh yeah, life will be just fine. I did this to my wife throughout my entire PhD experience. So it would go something like this. Oh, babe, next semester looks really bad. Oh, it's it's gonna be terrible. But if I can just get through this semester, then the next one is gonna be a piece of cake. You know the problem with that? The next semester was never a piece of cake. So then I had to have the same speech again with my wife. Don't worry, babe, this semester. If I can just get through this semester, then the next one's gonna be, no problem, I'll take care. This happens in life. If i can just get through this situation man then i'm good you know what that kind of speaks to really it's just the circumstances that are a problem i have everything all together but we know endurance doesn't work that way because when you get through this situation guess what's coming there's another situation and when you get through this temptation guess what's coming there's another temptation it's not about us to begin with it's about i have a firm foundation in christ I have a future hope that he is going to be faithful to carry me to the end, and I will be empowered by his spirit right now to continue to endure. Not just trying to get through the situation. God forbid that our goal in life is to get through a situation. Because what it does, it prevents us from living fully in that situation right in front of us. Endurance is how we put the gospel on display. What are some practical ways? These are on your notes. You'll have to add these in. What are some practical ways maybe that that we play out endurance? How do we display the gospel through our endurance? All right, don't laugh at me, but number one is aging well. Um, We're not talking about where you are in life. We're just saying that aging well, here's what I mean by that. We live in a world that fights against aging and old age with everything that we have. We spend billions and billions of dollars to fight against that process of getting older. We also live in a society that in many ways dishonors older people, dishonors the idea. As we endure, as we age, and we continue to remain faithful to the Lord, that is a powerful witness in a culture that in many ways dishonors and disrespects the process of aging the idea that we would continue on in life i want my kids and i've told you this before i need me and my wife and i need my kids to know what it looks like to continue to remain faithful to the lord god forbid that you would use your final days your final years in such a way that you don't show what it looks like to endure to the end You display the gospel when you continue to endure throughout all those situations that come in life. That is a beautiful picture of the gospel. A second way you can do this is through marriage. And I know this brings up just a hundred disclaimers that that we, we need to add in there. But in our society, a marriage that continues to endure is an incredible display of the gospel. If you want to see an example of this um, you'd have to I couldn't point you to the exact article you'd have to google it probably but Kay Warren who is the uh, wife of Rick Warren a pastor of a church out in California she wrote a powerful article a couple of weeks ago about endurance in their marriage about some situations they went through and how God brought them through those uh, as a couple and how enduring through those situations prepared them for what was going to come down the road two quick things about this when I say that enduring in marriage is a picture of the gospel, I am not saying to endure silently through physical abuse. Okay? So that's, don't, don't hear me wrong. Don't go home and say, well, the pastor said I have to endure, so I'm just going to continue to put up with this. No, no, no. You need help. You need healing. You need someone to step into that situation, and we want to be there for you. So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying there. Also, many of you have lived through the heartache of divorce, but you reached that point because you wanted to endure. That was not the goal, you weren't setting out for that. So how do I make sense of my divorce? How do I make sense of my situation in life? Well, did I seek after that or was that something I fought against? Was that something I wanted to endure but because of the situation wasn't able to happen? There's a big difference between fighting against that situation and saying, well, I thought marriage was about being happy. I'm not happy therefore I'll stop going. You realize pretty quickly that you can spend tens of thousands of dollars on the wedding, and then the realities of marriage come, and oh yeah, maybe the point of this isn't just to be happy. Maybe God is shaping me a way that I never knew before, and so I continue to endure. Here's a third thing. So aging well, marriage, another practical way you can show endurance is through work. Just this idea that I just continue to show up day after day seeking to be faithful to what God has called me to do. In my office over here uh, in the brick building, I have a picture of my grandpa at work. He worked, for all I know, two companies in, in his entire life. He worked for Ford Motor Company, and then he worked civil service down at Fort Sill. He got one week of vacation every year. And you know what he used his vacation for? To be a sponsor at Falls Creek. And he just showed up at work day after day, week after week, 40 years at one job. People in my generation, we can't stay 40 days at a job, much less 40 years. What does it look like to endure? What does it look like just to show up and do your job day after day, week after week, year after year? In the society in which we live, that is one of the ways we're able to display the gospel. Just to say, I'm going to continue to be faithful. If you're having to make decisions about changing a job, or maybe you're uncertain about your job situation, the best way you can prepare for whatever's going to come next in your job is by being perfectly faithful to where you are right now. In other words, endurance is the best way to know what comes next. Being faithful in the here and now, continuing to do what's right in front of you, is the best way for understanding what God's will is for you next. Just that ability to endure, the ability to say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what God has placed in front of me. I'm going to trust that he's going to lead me to where I need to go next. Here's one more way that you can learn endurance. And it's okay if you laugh. I don't mind. But one of the ways you can learn endurance is by being in church. Um, Aging well, marriage, work, and being a part of a church. What does it look like day after day Week after week, yes, enduring through sermons. It's okay, you can say it. What does it look like to do that on a consistent basis? In many ways, that shapes us, that endurance. It's not one sermon, it's not one day of showing up in church that's probably gonna make the difference. Students, it's not one experience at camp that's gonna make the difference. It's God's lordship over your life week after week, month after month, year after year, continuing to remain steady in that process to know that God is working you. He's shaping you. He's doing this, and it usually doesn't show up all of a sudden. It's something that happens over time. The second result. So the first result of endurance is that you display the gospel. The second result of endurance is that you share an eternal inheritance and glory. The good news that the gospel endures is not only that it endures through this life, but it endures for all of eternity. Don't forget that. Jesus is good news, not just for this life, but for all of eternity, that we will share and that forever hope that we talked about earlier, that we will share in all of that goodness. And what will happen at that point is survival will no longer become part of the process because the temptation will be gone and the trouble will be gone. And so then it's just about thriving. And so we have as a result of our endurance that eternal inheritance, that eternal glory. So 61 years ago, 61 years ago, five missionaries were killed in Ecuador. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCauley, Peter Fleming, and Roger Udarian. Uh, you probably have seen the movie Into the Spear or read one of the books or the documentaries. Uh, Jim Elliott's wife Elizabeth went on to write several books that have been instrumental in Teenage Girl and young, young Women's Lives about what it means to live for the Lord. Those five guys are well known. But in kind of a Paul Harvey Rest of the story, hey, kids, if you don't know Paul Harvey, go, uh, go Google Paul, Paul Harvey. And you can figure out what I mean. But uh, Paul Harvey, rest of the story sort of thing. Jim Elliott, who was probably the most famous of those missionaries killed in Ecuador, Jim Elliott had a brother, an older brother named Bert. And Bert and his wife Colleen, in 1949, were invited to be missionaries in Peru. And Bert and Colleen Elliott served as missionaries in Peru for over 60 years, serving in Peru on the field well into their 80s. We know Jim Elliott and Nate Saint because they made it in a movie. They were on the front line. They were involved in this situation. But we don't know Bert and Colleen. (laughs) Missionaries who day after day week after week, year after year, in complete obscurity. Names not well known, no movies made about them, but continued to endure, continued to serve the Lord. My hope for you is that you, were, you will endure. I've told many of you this, but as I look back on my high school years, and I see those friends, some of whom were really involved in in our youth group and then you look at them now and they're so far from the things of the Lord and then there are others that I look to and now they're completely serving the Lord and at that point they were so far away from him and I keep asking myself what does it mean to endure what does it mean to have a firm foundation and a future hope that keeps going day after day week after week year after year My prayer for you as your pastor is that you will endure. My prayer for us as a church is that we will endure, that we will show up next week worshiping the same God that we worship this week, and next week, and the week after, and the week after, and the year after, that we will continue to trust the Lord. And you can do that because you have a firm foundation and you have a future hope. If you're here this morning and you don't have that hope, you don't have that foundation, You're ready to give up on life. You're ready to give up on the Lord. I pray that God would use this morning to call you back to himself. That he would use this morning for you to go back to Philippians 4.13 and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was ready to give up, but because of God's power through Jesus Christ, I know I can continue. I know I can endure. Would you bow your heads with me? Here in just a second, we're gonna sing a song that talks about the, uh, the confidence and the hope that we have in Christ. And if you're at that situation and you're saying, I don't have a foundation, I'm ready to give up. Or maybe there's a part of your life that you're struggling with endurance, you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling at work and you're right on the edge of giving up. If we can pray for you, if you could use this time as a recommitment of yourself to the Lord, saying, Lord, I trust you. I know I must endure, and I know I can only endure because of you, and I will put my faith and my hope completely in you. Don't leave this place without making that commitment. Kids who are here that are getting ready to go to kids camp this week, you're gonna have some powerful experiences of worship, The Lord's going to speak into your lives. I pray that you will continue to endure. Students who are here, and you've been a part of Falls Creek a couple of weeks ago, and God worked in your life in powerful ways, I pray that that would not be a journal in Christianity. I pray that that would not just be a one-time commitment, but you would know what it is for Jesus to be Lord over every minute of your day and over every day of your life. Would you pray this morning that you would know what it is for the gospel to endure in your life? God, you are Lord over every part of our life. You're Lord over every place on the globe. And you're Lord over every minute that we live and into all of eternity. And we worship you for that. And we thank you for the hope we have in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.